Gary Key, could I have you sit down, please? No, I'm teasing. <laughs> Actually, I need you to come up here. Since you wrecked my mind in class, I'm going to call you out. you got to come up here now. <laughs> Give me time to recover. If I could get a couple of other volunteers, um, I, need, I need some help tonight. We've got quite a bit of people here. Um, and... Hmm, yeah, so we're gonna do two things. Um, so I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna need some people to hand out these pieces of paper. I'll, let me explain these before we get started. Um, so tonight we're gonna be talking about suffering. Is everybody is everybody listening? Everybody? Um, that way I don't have to say it but once. So tonight we're gonna be talking about suffering, and I know all of you uh, have suffered in your lives. If you're not currently uh, in in this very moment, uh, in a place of suffering, um, what I would ask for you to do, and I'll explain more kind of as they're passing it out, uh, but what I would like for you to do, and they're going to pass out pens, and they're just some little pieces of paper, uh, be thinking even as they're passing it out, and be thinking just throughout the sermon um, of areas in your life where you've experienced suffering, pain, heartache, uh, disappointment. Um, ultimately we're going to be looking tonight at how we share in the suffering of Christ. So what I would like you to do, you don't have to write like a thesis or anything. Um, it's very small pieces of paper. What I would, what I would suggest, um, is write down words, um, just single words, maybe short phrases that kind of encompass your heart, uh, as concerning the suffering that you've gone through in your lives, um. It could be, like, I don't want to, like, pin you into certain things, but it could be, it could be brokenheartedness over family, um, that have strayed away from the Lord, or it could be brokenheartedness and disappointments that maybe life didn't turn out like you had planned when you were younger, or maybe you've gone through divorce, or maybe there's, you know how you've suffered. Um, just write those down. Um, I don't know how we're going to use them at the end, um, but just in case, if you would be absolutely against me reading it, um, then put like maybe an X or something at the top hand corner. You're not going to put your names on it, no. Um, so don't be specific. Like this is my name, and this, you know. Um, but what I want to what I want to do is just kind of you guys pass these out, um, pass the pens out. Along with it, y'all be thinking, you know how you've suffered or how you're maybe currently suffering. Um, yes. Yeah. I, we did, actually. Um, Kayla came up earlier and, and mentioned, so we'd, we'd prayed. And I'll, I'll, I'll mention as, just as we kind of open up in prayer over that. Um, so be be thinking um, about that, and like I say, I don't know if I'm going to read them at all at the end. Um, ultimately, what I what I like my ultimate purpose in in y'all handing these out to y'all um, is as I've been going through this as I've been going through this study, um, I've been um, keeping for myself, and I've mentioned this a couple of times, keeping for myself my thoughts and in preparation. Um, for this, and and ultimately, what I what I want these for, um, Lord, help me not cry already. Um, ultimately, what we share life together as a church, or we should, 
um, as a community of believers and and there are many times in our lives that we find ourselves suffering and what I hope in the preparation of this of this sermon um, and I'm sorry I was absolutely in no way intending on cheering up but what I hope is that in the process of the sermon what you see is that the gospel that I'm presenting to you is no small gospel. And I've been making mention of this along the way. And, and I want to point it out each and every time that, that you serve a big God and the gospel is greater. Right? The gospel is greater than all your grief and all your heartache. Um, and the gospel does not sidestep pain. Right? I want us to understand that, that the gospel does not sidestep pain. It is in the midst of the darkest day in history that the gospel bursts forth into, into glorious, glorious light. Um, and my hope in this, um, because I know a lot of times when we're, when we're suffering, when we're going through trials and tribulations, um, that we are confused, that we are set back, that I believe we've maybe in some ways been blinded or, or in some ways lied to, um, that when you come to Christ, your pain and sorrow in this world is set aside because that's absolutely not the truth that any single one of us know as believers. Um, you know pain and you know sorrow and you know heartache. Um, and what I want you to know in the midst of this sermon, and what I want to get across to you, is that the truth of God's Word is He... That He is great. Like, if, if, if you phase out between now and the end of this sermon... The thing that I want you to take away is that in the midst of your darkest day, He is greater, and your hope is greater. So as you put these thoughts and words of the pain that you've put down, I'm going to put them in this that I have, and I'm going to keep it at least until I die and pass it on to my kids as testimony. Because what I hope you take away is not only that you hear me preach to you that God is greater, but that you experience Him in your life and through the truth of His Word, pouring out through the power of His Holy Spirit in ways that transform your minds, transform your understandings of the situation so that you see that God is, in fact, so much greater. And I pray that I make clear to you that the hope that we have in Christ is greater. Um, so y'all, I'm going to give you all a couple of seconds as I wipe away. Snot. I would love for this sermon to be um, as light-hearted as a sermon on suffering could be. Um, let us open up uh, in prayer. Can we, Brother Kip, can we just skip doing the offering tonight? Let's, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your 
innumerable blessings in this life. Lord, I know that often this life, in this life, we face heartache and we face disappointment and we face pain and suffering that we can make no sense of, that leave us astonished and amazed and confused. Um, Lord, I, I pray um, that as we, as we go through this sermon tonight, that uh, f- first that you would just kind of just cut this off, this waterwork thing, so that your truth could shine through. Christ and the hope that we have in Him is so great. And I fear that I would fail in presenting that properly. Um, Lord, as we dig into Your Word and the truth of Your Word tonight, I, I pray, Lord, that we would learn more about suffering and how it fits into the big picture of the gospel. I pray that uh, as we dig into Scripture that the Holy Spirit would move in our hearts, um, that You would show us how, as we suffer, we share in Christ's suffering. Lord, Oh, in glory, when we can tell the tales of suffering overcome. When we can share the stories how we suffered with Christ in this life and through those suffering, dark days, you helped us to see clear what Christ suffered for our sakes. Lord, that your truth and the gospel of Christ would be lifted high in our hearts. That we would glorify you as a community of believers. And that we would be moved by the hope that we have for another life. In such a way that we would live this life for your glory. Knowing that the suffering that we go through now is building up for us a weight of glory in eternity. I pray that you teach us why we suffer and that it will be for our good. Lord, show us that because that is so foolish to our flesh and that we can only understand that if we have awakened hearts to the gospel of Christ if we know a savior who before he was exalted on high suffered unto death I thank you for that I thank you for Christ it is for his glory Amen so we are going to be today in Romans chapter 8, 
We're going to be in a couple of different places. So Dennis, you, you may have a hard time following this evening. Normally I'm just straight down the page in Romans. Um, but tonight we're going to do a little bit different. Um, we're going to we're going to cover one new verse in Romans tonight, and we're going to we're going to look throughout Scripture in a couple of different places to examine the suffering of Christ, um, and and we'll see how that's going to play in. So, as I was preparing for tonight, and I would ask that y'all would continue to pray for me as um, I preach through this. Um, my ultimate my ultimate hope is that is that we we can see through the study of God's word that uh that what is happening to us and the suffering that we endure today fits perfect in the most glorious pages of the book of Romans right like i want you i want you to walk away tonight with an understanding that suffering Though it may confuse us, it in no way confuses Christ and the purposes for which we suffer, we will in eternity rejoice over the sufferings that we have gone through in this life. I want that to be real in us, and I don't, like I say, I don't know how this is going to play out. Like, I don't know, like, right now, I don't feel so much like the tears are going to pour down, but it, it may very well be that we get into it, and 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 it does. That's just, if it does, it does. Um, so, let's look and, and start here in Romans chapter 8, and, and I'm just going to start from the beginning and read to 18. We may be here for a little while tonight, church. Um. I love you, and I don't try to be long-winded on purpose, but um, there's some truth worth sitting at the dinner table for a little while for. Romans 8, 1. Therefore, now, there, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's us, church. We are those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus, from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. Tonight, as we kind of focus in on suffering, and specifically uh, how we share in the suffering of Christ, I want us to focus and I want our minds and our thoughts and our hearts to to kind of fixate on Christ um, and the suffering that Christ endured and that the gospel message is central in suffering and, and specifically the suffering of Christ. Uh, so this is what this is what we're being told here uh, in the opening of chapter. Of chapter eight, for he condemned sin in the flesh. Right, he condemned it in the flesh of Christ. Christ suffered. Church, the cross was no light burden for him to bear. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Right. So Christ did this work for us, for those who are. 
in Christ, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. And tonight as we examine suffering and how it fits into the Christian life, what I hope to do is to work on your minds tonight, right? I I don't want to prod your emotions in this, and I don't want to stoke the fire of the tears of your suffering in this. I, I want you to know that you share in Christ's sufferings, right? And then at eternity, if there are tears over this, they will be tears of joy and not tears of sadness or pain, right? So in the work of the gospel, in what Christ is doing, what I want us to get, and it's kind of going to be probably sober and just kind of a somber spirit in this tonight. I just kind of get that feeling. But what I want you to get is that this wrestle bursts forth into hope like no other, right? That's what we're going to see when we when we kind of tag in at the end of um, Romans eight eighteen there and start digging into digging into that. So I want you to get that the work that needs to take place in us because when the pain comes, the spirit comforts. When the suffering comes, the spirit comforts. It is our minds that tend to be plagued over these things. Right, so I, I want us. I want us to get in this study that that we we need to seek God and the truth of His Word to renew and to rework our minds, so that we think in the midst of suffering or after the suffering is past that there are reflection in our thoughts is never a thought of well God just hates me, or or I'm going through this because God's got ill will against me. If you are His. He has a love for you that cannot be put into words, right? So the pain, and but that's what our fleshly mind tells us when we go through things. Or our mind tells us, "Well, God hates me." Like, let's be honest. Like, like if He loved me, like if He loved me, like He loved Landon, I wouldn't be going through these pains, right? So maybe if I just do things like Landon or do things like the preachers do, maybe if I can line my life up like that, I, I won't be going through the issues that I'm going through. You, you see how these kind of thoughts invade our minds. We'll look at others and we'll say, well, what are they doing right? What are they, what are they doing right? They don't seem to be going through the same kind of struggles that I'm going through. And, and, and what, what I want you to know is that the life of a Christian is marked by sharing in the suffering of Christ. And 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 I and I'm and I in no way I'm kidding when I say when you see glory, when you see the first glimpse of glory, that this entire life you're going to be like the best day, the best day there, the best day there. I was missing this, the best day I was missing this. What do you think it's going to do to the worst of days? It's going to transform when you step forward in glory. You will think with heavenly mindset and heavenly thoughts in a way that that the Holy Spirit is in fact working in us today, transforming us in and through suffering, oftentimes preparing us 
for that. And I want you to, I want you to get that. I want, I want that to be something that, that you tell yourself again and again in your mind, that you combat the flesh that tries to invade your mind with the truth of God's Word, that God's, He does have better for you. He does have better for you. And he, here's the truth of the gospel that's not like the health, wealth, prosperity, you get it all here kind of gospel. Is, is I can tell you straight in the face that He has the riches of glory for you. And your life can be hell on earth. For the Christian, the closest that you will be to hell is this life. For the Christian. This life is the closest thing that you will know to hell. Your hope is better. And I want you to know that in the midst of the darkest of days. So let's, let's work on the mind. Let us see that as believers, the Holy Spirit is working in the mind to give us life, peace. Verse 7, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot, for those who are in the flesh cannot please God. If you, however, or you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead, because of sin, the spirit of life, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. So I want us to get that our hope in this life for living each day is found not in the way that we used to live before Christ, but it's found being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Right? You live as a believer day by day by the power of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes our eyes can only be awakened to that if the splinter is being pulled from our foot, right? God has the best of intentions for His children. Even if in the moment that He's extracting the splinter that is sin, it hurts. And I want us to get that, and I want us to know that, that that God's purposes are not just fixed in and of this world, but His plan is so far-reaching, right? So far-reaching. But it is the Spirit that gives life to your bodies here. So I want you to rest in the Spirit. I want you to run to Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? Live as a Christian, Spirit-filled lives. Verse 12, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live for all who are led by the Spirit of God or sons of God, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by whom you cry, Abba, Father. So I want us also to reflect on this because as we go through this life and as we are pressed in on every side by the suffering that comes 
to us in whatever fashion or whatever form that comes to you, it can be very, very easy for you to, to, to get to a place where you just kind of want to, I'm just going to give, I'm going to give up. I'm just, it's, it's not working for me. It, I'm not doing things right. I try to do what Landon does. I try to kind of mimic that or whatever, and it just doesn't seem right. Or I say Landon, place in whoever it is that you look at and you're like, I'm going to mimic that particular person's life and see if, if it works out right. See, mimicking lives doesn't change your life. The Holy Spirit changes your life. And mimicking lives does not change your mind. The Holy Spirit changes your mind and works in your life to change you from the inside out. And and when you get in that place or that point where you feel like... And I want us to be honest. We get to places where we feel like, God, do you hear me? Do you see where I'm at right now? I'm, I'm your child. Do you see me here? Do you see me? Truth, have we, have we been there? Has, has anybody... Has, any, has anybody as a believer ever ever been in that place in your life where you're like, I can't tell Kip this, right? I can't tell Kip, man, I struggle to do this Christian walk. I struggle because there are points where I, I think, God, you, if you were real, I would see you in this. Like there, there are points in your life where you say, Lord... I'm starting to doubt you because of the suffering that I'm going through in this moment. Right? I don't. I don't feel like your child. I feel like a dog. I don't feel like your child. I feel like. I feel like a worm, just crawling through the, the dirt of this life. Right? Suffering has a way of pushing us there. But here's the thing that I want to tell you: if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you will not be crushed by those things. They cannot crush you. They may drive you where you think I'm going to go crazy, but God is sovereign in the suffering, and He will work through those things to open your eyes to Him in ways that in glory you would have said, you will, you will say in glory, Lord, thank you for that trial. You will say in glory, thank you for that trial. I can promise you that you will give Him glory for everything. Because He is working in all things. Not one thing, not the good things. He is working in all things. Know this. Let this invade your minds when you were driven to the point of despair. The Holy Spirit will break through. The Holy Spirit, believer, the Holy Spirit will will break through. There may be some of you that are even here tonight that you, 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 I don't know. You may, you may be at that point. You may have come in here 
tonight. This is the last time I'm doing this. He will break through because you are His. And He will show you that in the midst of life's darkest storms. Know this to be true. Know this to be true. Cry out to Him. Abba, Father, believer, you can cry out to Him. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may be glorified with Him. Do you see this? And we mentioned it last week, and I want to highlight it again. You are heirs of God. Joint heirs with Christ and you will share in the suffering of Christ. You will share in the suffering of Christ. Provided we suffer with Him. But here's the thing. And here's, here's what, when we suffer in this world, the one thing that invades our mind the most is that this suffering is in vain. That there's no reason or purpose for the things that we are going through. Right? Is this true? Is this true of, of your suffering? When, when you find yourself heartbroken. I have family tonight who, uh, who just prior to the starting of this, have lost their mother. May our eyes be awakened by suffering. Do you know death itself is a reminder to us that this is not all there is. And this is short in its span of time. By the longest life that you will live, it is but a vapor, the Scriptures say, in eternity. But a vapor. Provided we suffer with Him and order that. So when you are there and you think there is no rhyme, nor reason, tell yourself the truth of Scripture, that there is rhyme and reason. It is in order that we may be glorified with Him. You suffer for no trivial thing. Your suffering will pay off for you in the glory of your Savior. Do you hear me? Now, 
If I were preaching to a crowd of lost people, when I say that, I know that for them, they're like, Matt, that means Jack to me. Gloria, what's this? Who? What? But here's what I want to, here's what I want to tell you. That Christ for the believer is the highest goal. And His glory, the highest desire that we should have. And, as a believer, you are partakers of His glory. You were made for this. You were made for this. And right now, in this life, you are being shaped and formed by this life for the next. And that includes the good days, and that includes the bad days. All things are working together. Know that to be true. Verse 18, For I consider. And I've preached this, the first sermon that I preached, I preached on this. So um, I'm going to preach it slightly different tonight. If you would like to hear the other uh, the other way, um, in, in that sermon, I uh, focus primarily on Paul and the experience of li- experiences of life that Paul had come through, the trials and sufferings that Paul had come through up to the point that he is here in the text. Um, and he says, for I consider. And this way, Paul could consider. Right? We could step back and look at all that we have done. Knowing who God is, considering on these things. Right? Tonight we're going to take a slightly different approach to this. We're going to look and we're going to, we're going to use the life of Christ. The suffering of Christ as a way to bring our minds in line with this so that we too can consider our own sufferings in light of Christ's sufferings, in light of the promises that we see in verse 17 so that we can come to the same conclusion that Paul comes to in this verse. So, verse 18, I want to read it, and then we're going to kind of step just through it a little bit here, just look at a couple different points, and then we're going to cover some some passages uh, in the Gospels and then some passages in the Old Testament. Uh, so, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to uh, so the first thing I think is, what is this glory that is going to be revealed? And, well, we got a picture of it down below, but I want to tell you that it's even greater than what you've been told thus far, um, and we're going to cover that next week. So I want you to be in your mind considering the glory that's going to be revealed. I want you to be asking the question, what is this glory? What is it going to look like? What is, how's, it, how's it going to look? How's it going to feel? What's, is it going to be real? Is it going to be some just spiritual out in space? Like, what, what, is, what is this whole glory thing going to look like altogether? I want you to kind of leave tonight thinking about that, and we're going to cover that idea of this hope that, that we have uh, more in depth next week. The next thing that I want you to look at in this text is the suffering of this present time. I, I want you to understand that your sufferings, though they may be a lifetime, right? Though you may be born with some debilitated disease and you may live 80 years, your suffering has an end. Do you hear me in this? Do you hear me in this? Believer, Believer, I want want to speak to you, believer, that you have hope that the lost do not have. Right? Because this life is not all 
that you have to look forward to. Right? So, for the lame, for the broken, for the broken hearted, there is hope in the gospel. Right? There is hope that this... And man, I, I listen to, to myself preach, right? So I just want to make sure I don't preach heresy. So I tend to go back before I put it online and I'll listen to it. And I listen whenever I, whenever I talk about topics like this. And I think, what in the world must somebody think that hears me preach this stuff, right? Like that doesn't know, that doesn't know Christ. How, how foolish it is for me to say that, 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 that you have hope when you die, right? Like, <laughs> That's so foolish. That's so foolish to the to the to the ears of the perishing, right? But I want you to know that I'm not like saying here you should be wishing for death to come, right? But Paul says it would be better for me to be with the Lord. And it's better for you that I'm here, right? So when we consider our lives and when we consider where our hope is and where our future is and the things that we look forward to, right? If all you had was this life and you were dealt a bad hand, right? Hopeless. Without hope. If, however, if, however, God has drawn you to Him, your brokenness. Know this. Know this. That your suffering will be cause for rejoicing in glory. It gives me chills, man. It gives me chills. Because, because for the one who's, who's dealt a bad hand in this life, God can be glorified in you for eternity. Do you... Do you get that? Do you get that? That the the worst of disabilities, the worst of disabilities, when He draws you to Him, you glorify Him. Your suffering, your suffering will bring your Savior glory for eternity. Do Do you look at it that way? See, for, for the lost world, that is absolutely, completely foolish. And I get it. I get it because their thinking is, this is all you got. YOLO, son, like you live only once, right? You live only once. And if you live only once and you're dealt a bad hand, then your life was nothing but suffering. And there was no point in it at all. Vanity of vanities. But... If Christ is who He claimed to be, and resurrection from the dead would be pretty good evidence for that, then here's what suffering means for the one whose life is filled with it. That God will be glorified for eternity in you, through you. This is how we transform how we think of suffering. How will God be glorified eternally in you? Think about this in your darkest hour when you think there is no hope. This time here is short. 
sufferings of this present time. There will be no suffering there in a hundred years. In a hundred years, for probably most of us, you will be there. What does He make of your suffering here? For His glory, you suffer with Christ. Suffering is not meaningless. It is not pointless. It is short. In the time of eternity, suffering is short. It's like the speed bump that you hit on the way to church today. You do not remember it even. It had that kind of impact on your life. Right? You're traveling cross country. Do you remember the pothole in Birmingham? After you've seen the sights that this great country has for you to see. If you had a flat tire, is it that big a deal in the big scope? And and here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that your problems and your trials and your tribulations are not that big a deal. I'm telling you that in eternity, you will say that. That's what I'm telling you. That's what Paul is telling us when he says, For I consider... And this is why I want us, when we think about our suffering, when we think about what God's doing in our lives through us, He's... Who do you think sends the storm? It's the same one who stops the storm or runs the ship aground. And He is guiding us through this life as His children. It's not meaningless and it's not pointless. And ultimately you will say in eternity, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I want us to flip, as we're going to look a little bit through Scripture tonight. Um, I, I have it printed out kind of in parallel here so I can hit it really quick, but... Um, we're get, you can either look at this, if you were going to pick one spot, I would pick probably Luke chapter 18, verse 31 through 34. Um, but you can find this also in Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 32 through 45, and Matthew chapter 20, verse 17 through 28. These are different accounts of the same event that are told in these Three Gospels. And I'm going to read it in each of them, and then we're going to look at a couple of things out of this, and then we're going to reflect back to some Old Testament text um, and consider what's going on here. To give you some context here, um, Jesus is heading to Jerusalem now. Uh, He is going to the cross, right? Jesus is on his way to the cross. He's told his uh, disciples a couple of times at this point. This is about the third time um, where he's telling them what is coming for him, right? And 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 in this, I want us to see a couple of different things. So we're going to read first uh, in Matthew, then Mark, and then we'll go over to Luke. So Matthew chapter 20, verse 17. As Jesus was about to go up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside by themselves. And on the way, he said to them, Behold, we are going 
up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and crucify him. And on the third day, he will be raised up. That's Matthew. Mark. It's a little bit longer in Mark. Uh, Mark 10.32 They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed. And those who followed were fearful. And again, he took the twelve aside and began to tell them what is going to happen to him, saying, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him, and spit on him, and scourge him, and kill him. And three days later, he will rise again. Luke chapter 18, verse 31 through 34. Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all the things which are written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be handed over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and mistreated and spit upon. And after they have scourged him, they will kill him, and the third day he will rise again. But the disciples understood none of these things. And the meaning of this statement was hidden from them, and they did not comprehend the things that were said. There's two particular things that I want to bring out of this before we step over. Uh, Concerning, specifically concerning suffering. The first thing, uh, well, let me just say this beforehand. If, If you look at Christ's life, the first time that we get a picture of Christ saying something... Um, his parents have misplaced him, right? He's, they find him in the temple, and when they find him in the temple, uh, he's, he's like, why are you looking for me? You know I'm about my dad's business. Like, you, like you know what this life is about. He's a, he's a young child at this point, and, and, and what, I want us, what I want us to understand, and this is what we're going to see as we look back into, uh, what we're going to see as we look back into to Scripture in the Old Testament. Um, I want you to know that as Christ was going, Christ knew. Right, As Christ was going, Christ knew where he was going. And he knew what would take place. Right? I, I want you to get this. You don't. Right? In your life, you don't know what tomorrow holds. Whether life or death. Right? Christ knew all that would come of him. Right? He knew it. He knew it. We know this um, because, well, first he tells them. But I want us to see. I want us to see this in uh, Luke eighteen thirty-one. He says, "All the things which are written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished." I, I, want, I want us to read that again because, like I said, as you go through this life, right, you don't see as clearly as Christ sees, right? You don't see as clearly as Christ sees, but but Christ knew the truth of God's Word, and Christ held to the truth of God's Word. Right? I want you to know this. In the deepest and darkest days, know that God's Word will not fail, cannot fail. Christ shows us in Scripture, as He tells to them, His reliance on this. So from a young age, He's been... You think about this. You want want to think about suffering, right? How stressed do we get when we have like a job interview? Right? How, 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 like, we know, like, a big event's coming up in our life. How, how does that mess with our emotions and mess with the, what, like, I'm, I'm gonna tell you, um, when we go down to Honduras in November, I'm 
Lord willing, going to preach the whole sermon in Spanish. And, and, and there's been three months, more than three months, but uh, that's close enough, three months that every single day, I cannot get it off of my mind. Right? And I can't get it off my mind because if I do, then I'm going to get it down there and I'm going to look foolish. So what happens when we think forward, we know things are coming. How does it affect us emotionally? And I want you to know this, that Christ from a young age was about his father's business. From a young age, he knew what was coming. Right? He saw it coming. How would that affect you? How would that affect you? What, what weight or pressure or stress would rest on you that the lives of all that you come in contact with in this life, the only hope they have is you? You want to talk about don't blow it. Right? Don't mess that one up. All your friends, your brother, they don't even believe who you are yet. His life rests in your hands. And you know this. Because you're in Scripture, you're learning these things as you're reading through Scripture. We know that He was doing this from a very young age. So He tells His followers here all these things. And all these things which are written about the uh, written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. He is confident in this. But... but I want you to get, I want you to understand this. We don't have time to cover the entire gospel, right? So I'm going to throw some things out there for you to consider along the way when we think about this so that you can apply those to you in your suffering, right? Christ knows this. He still sweats drops of blood. He knows this. And the scripture tells us that his heart was like wax within his chest. So, here's what I want to tell you. No, God cannot fail. But you will still feel hurt and heartache and pain in your suffering. But you will not be overcome by your suffering. There is a difference than feeling it and being overcome by it. Know that there is a difference. Know that it's okay for you to hurt. But it is not your end. And the Holy Spirit will continue telling you this time and time and time again. I got you. I got you. This is not your end. This trial is but short in the span of eternity. These present sufferings will one day be past sufferings. These present sufferings will one day be present Rejoicing. There will come a day. But that day is not today. All things which are written about the, uh, through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. And he goes on. For he will be handed over to the Gentiles, mocked, mistreated, spit upon, scourged, killed. He is crucified for our sins. I want us to look over in Mark, chapter 10, uh, verse 32. This is uh, why I'm doing this in parallel, is, is you get a, a, a better picture of what goes on if you look at how each of the Gospels represents these things. One may see one thing is, is critical to mention, and another may mention something else. When we look at it 
kind of in full view, I think we see a, a bigger picture and we see some amazing truths that we might have missed if we'd have only, for example, looked at Matthew. So in Mark chapter 10, verse 31, they were on the road going up to Jerusalem and Jesus was walking on ahead of them. Right? Here's, here's the truth that I want you to get, is that Jesus goes before you. Right? If you feel as though you're suffering alone, Jesus walks before you. You share and partake in His suffering. Right? That's the truth the Scripture has for us. And it tells us here, it says, And they were amazed. The word amazed here, like when we think of amazed, we think of like, wow, that just kind of blew me away. Um, What you should take away from the amazement that they had is, wow, is this guy crazy? Right? Is he insane? Does he not know what they want to do to him when we get there? Like, if we're going to establish an earthly kingdom, the way we do it is we avoid Jerusalem right now. Because Jerusalem's got nothing but hate for us. And they're going to likely kill you when we get there. And he's like, yeah, they're going to kill me. Right, but they, ain't, they don't hear it. They don't get it. They've got eyes that aren't there yet. Their eyes are eventually shifted by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? And this same way that our eyes are awakened today. So they were amazed, right? They, they looked at Jesus going to Jerusalem ahead of them, and they were like, why are these things happening? And, and I, I want to pull out from this that, that in your life, you're gonna, God is going to lead you places. It's going to lead you to just, you're going to be baffled by it. You're going to be amazed by it. And you're going to be amazed probably a lot of times in the early stages in ways that you're like, this just confuses me. You're not alone. Right? You're not alone. The disciples, same spot. Those and those who followed were fearful. You're going to be confused and you're going to be fearful. You're following a man who was nailed to a cross. Right? As, as believers... As the church, you have chosen to follow a man who was nailed to a cross. If, count the cost, right? Count the cost. And, and I, think that you, I think that you have. Sometimes you need to be reminded maybe that, that, that you were getting into something that was going to get real, real quick, right? But your hope is not in this world. Your hope is found somewhere other uh, flip with me. We're going to look at a couple of places. Um, we're going to look first in Isaiah. So uh, as we see here, Jesus is telling them that all that happened in the prophets is going to is going to be accomplished. I want us to look. One of the best places, single places that you can look to see uh, all that took place uh, in Christ. We can see a lot of things that we can kind of dig out here. Uh, and see, as we go through, this is Isaiah chapter 53. We're going to look through the whole thing. I'm going to read through it quickly, and I'm just going to be spitting out things along the way. And and before we do this, I'm just going to do a quick prayer that God would, as you, please read along with me in this. Please read along with me in this, especially you've been writing down. Um, when you when you go through this later is when it's going to when it's going to probably land on you how you share or are currently sharing in the suffering of God because. It's quite possible that I will that I will uh, step over or or miss one of the aspects in, in which you personally share. So I would say go through go through Isaiah chapter fifty three um, and just 
Pray that God would show you how in your life, in your suffering, you are sharing in the suffering, uh, the sh- sharing in the suffering of Christ. So let's pray just quickly before we do this. Uh, Lord, as we step into uh, this scripture in Isaiah chapter 53, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in the, in the hearts and the minds of the hearers tonight. Um, I know at this point we're, we're some minutes into this sermon and it can be easy at times to lose focus. I pray that your Holy Spirit would uh, reign in our thoughts and reign in our minds as we dig now into uh, this amazingly wonderful text that uh, so clearly uh, prophesies uh, what Christ would do for us. And And I pray that as we go through it, uh, that each of us as individuals, as we read this, that your Holy Spirit would move in, in our hearts as you do uh, to show us personally. I, w- I want this to be for each individual uh, a very a very uh, real thing to them that, that they know that they are sharing in your sufferings as we as we go through this. Um, just please do that, Lord, uh, whether now or whether you bring it to remembrance to them later. It's in Christ's name um, and for His glory. Amen. Uh, so we're going to start in Isaiah 53, and like I say, we're just going to move through this. There is a lot packed into this particular passage of text. And, and, and just to kind of get you in the mindset, we just looked at Christ, and we know that Christ probably his entire life is looking back at the Old Testament, and he's seeing pictures of, of, of what that day holds for him. right? Like He's looking in Scripture as a young child, as, as, a, as a teenager, uh, and, and he's seeing what that day will what that day will hold. And this would be one of the texts that he would no doubt have been drawn to time and time and time again. This is what his life would culminate in on the cross. So Isaiah chapter 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And who has the arm of the Lord? And to who has the arm of the Lord been revealed for He grew up before them like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. And and as I as I read this and I see this, he had no form or majesty. I think how how many ways could God have presented himself to us? How many how many ways could he have come? Here's here's what this passage says. If Jesus was sitting among us, he would look like us. How many times do we feel so regular? Right? How many times do we feel so disappointed? Because we look out and we see what the world tells us that we should look like and then we look in on ourselves and we find that I've got no form or majesty. You share in the suffering of Christ. And no beauty that we should desire Him. How, how often do we find in this world everything revolves around beauty? Turn on your TV, go to Facebook, whatever. And you know it's true if you're on any kind of social media. The only time you post a picture is if it's one that looks good of you. Right? That's the only time. Like, I'm going to edit that joker down so that you don't see what I see when I look in the mirror. 
Because when I look in the mirror, I see the little fat kid. I see the little fat kid that looked in the mirror as he was growing up and said, I don't want to be a fat kid no more. Right? Jesus was not a beautiful man. You think that's what's going to make you happy. You think that's what's going to fulfill you. And we find that a God who could have presented Himself in any way He desired comes to us no form, no majesty, no beauty. That what He presents to you is not superficial. And if you look to Him with superficial eyes, you'll find that you do not have a desire for Him. And this is what the Scripture says. If you got self-esteem issues, check this out. Verse 3, He was despised and rejected by men. How many of us? Our sole desire in life is to be accepted and loved. And if we don't find that, how many of us have suffered over that? How many of us have suffered over rejection? Christ was rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. This is your Savior. I I, I want, as you read this text, to know that this is the truth of God's Word about your Savior. When, When you look at this life and what you think it should be for you, your Savior was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. You in your sorrows, you in your grief are made to share in the sufferings of your Savior. As one from whom men hide their faces. Right? Look at this. Look at this. When you, like y'all, I've preached long enough, y'all, y'all have seen me, you've seen the ugly face. Like that's what Dustin calls it, right? Like you got that ugly cry. You know what I'm saying? We're like the snot, I'm like, Goodness, they're gonna see it's gonna be all in my beard, it's not running down, right? Like, like that awkward time, and you're like, I don't know if I should look at that. That's, I'm probably not gonna come back for a while. Like, he was a man of sorrows. You would not have looked upon him, you would have looked the other way. Because I don't, I don't know if I should look at that or not. How many of you feel like that, right? How many of you feel like you walk in the room, you're the one that they're like, ah, oh, look at that. I'm going to do it. He was one from whom men hid their faces. Another way that that could be translated is one whom hides their face from us. Right? How many times you go somewhere and you're like, I don't want you to look at me. I don't want you to look at me. You share in suffering of Christ. 
and he was despised, and we esteemed him not. How many of us desire the esteem or the lifting up of others? And when we do not find it, we find ourselves downcast before, because of it. Christ himself was despised, and we, we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. Here's, I want you to, I want you to pay close attention to this text. If you want to get a, if you want to get a picture of you sharing in Christ's suffering, I want you to look at this text. Verse four. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet what? Yet we esteem him stricken. We share in his suffering. And while he was suffering, we thought it was him. Right? If you had been there, but by the grace of God, you would have been the ones nailing Him to the cross. You share in the sufferings of Christ. By grace, we can share in His sufferings because we esteemed Him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. How many of you feel smitten or afflicted? You share in the sufferings of Christ. But He was pierced for our transgressions and He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds we are healed. I want us to look at this pierced, crushed, chastised, wounded for us. Christ was pierced, crushed, chastised, and wounded for us. Yet how often when we go through the smallest and most trivial of things do we cry out as though God has abandoned us. All we, verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Church, you share in the sufferings of Christ. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth that should shame us. (laughs) When we are so quick to question the character of the God who has redeemed us. That should shame. He was oppressed and afflicted. And he opened not his mouth like a lamb. He was led to the slaughter. And like a sheep before shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Church, Christ was oppressed and afflicted. And he was led as a lamb to slaughter. Your Savior was slaughtered. You suffer with your Savior. Like a sheep before his shears is silent. Do you know that your Savior... Like, we don't have... Do we have... We don't have a cross with Jesus on it. But if we did, He'd be covered. But that day, He was not. Like a sheep... 
His clothing taken away. Born naked on a cross for you and I. Have you felt shame that the Son of God has not felt shame? You share in the sufferings of Christ. By oppression and judgment, He was taken away. Have you been oppressed or judged? You share in the suffering of Christ. And as for His generation, who considered that He was cut off of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people? I want us to look at the latter part of verse 8 there, and I want us to understand what this says. Who considered that He was cut off? So this is talking about His people when He was on the cross. Who considered Him? Have you felt lonely? Is the suffering that you deal with in this life loneliness? Who cared for Him? Really? Who cared for Him? Because here's what I'm telling you. If you care for someone, Cameron, if I care for you, and someone comes to kill you, do you know what I do? Either I fight with you to the death, or they kill me too. His own ran. His own denied him the best, the best three times. Have you been alone? You share in the suffering your Savior. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, there was no deceit in his mouth. Have you been treated unfairly? Have you been counted with someone who you would have not been counted with? Do you see that he was placed in he was placed in a grave? He was a wicked man. And he had done no wrong. Verse 10. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. Let's read that again so that we do not miss this point. Yes, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. Why was Christ crucified? There are, there are many reasons. None of them are he had to. Right? Do you do you follow? There are many reasons that Christ went to the cross. His love for you is not a small part of that. It is a great part of that. But He was in no way obligated to you for it. But to rescue you and redeem you, He was crushed for you. He was crushed for you. You, believer, share in the suffering of your Savior. 
when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11, out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. Do you know anguish this afternoon? Do you know anguish? Your Savior knows anguish. You share in the suffering of your Savior. By His knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous and shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death. How many of you have poured your life out into something? You would not be sitting here today had you poured it out unto death. Your Savior poured His life out unto death for you. For you in particular. By name, He knew you. You're His. And for you, He was numbered with the transgressors. Yet He bore the sins of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Transgressors. I want us to flip now quickly and we'll, we'll be concluding with these thoughts. There are many other places that we could look in Scripture. I want us to look in Psalm chapter, at the 22nd, the 22nd Psalm. And I'm just going to read a couple of blurbs out of it so that we can see the mind and the heart of Christ as He suffered for us. And, and I want you, as we go through this, to one, I want you to think, and I, I want you to go and, and read this for yourself and, and, and dig into this as, as, as you yourselves are made partakers in the suffering um, of Christ. I, I want us to read now. Uh, we'll just start in verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning, Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but you do not find rest. Do you feel as though God has forsaken you, believer? Do you feel as though He is far from you in your suffering? I want to tell you, He is not. But these are the words of Christ on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken so that you could be redeemed. So that your hope could be more than what this world has to offer you. Verse 6, But I am a worm and not a man scorned by mankind, despised by the people. And all who see me mock me and make mouths at me and wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let Him deliver him. Let Him rescue him for He delights in Him. I want you to look at the parallels of Scripture here with the account of Christ on the cross, what did they say of Him? Let God rescue Him. What must have been running through our Savior's mind. But I am a worm and not a man. Scorned by mankind and despised by the people. 
verse 12, many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like ravening and roar, like a ravening and roaring lion. Verse 14, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, welting, melting within my breast. Who has felt hopeless? Who has felt like they've given all that they've got to give? Who feels like they've been poured out and pulled apart? Who feels like life has beaten them down? Church, you share in the sufferings of your Savior. Verse 15, my strength is dried up like a pot shirt and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death for Dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircle me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothes they cast lots. This is speaking of your Savior, church. You share in the sufferings of your Savior. Now I want to go back to Romans 18. Romans 8, 18. And we're going to... We're going to just close and rereading that. And, and then um, if I could get a couple of the volunteers that passed out those notes, uh, those cards, if you could uh, gather those back up as we, as we um, close. Verse 18, for I consider. Church, I, I, I don't want to tell you um, what you're going to do with your sufferings. Right? I want to show you what Scripture tells you. That you will do. This is you, right? We are here in the passage of text where we're talking about the sanctification of the saved, the sanctification of the redeemed, leading and pointing towards the hope that we have in glory, and this is what the redeemed will say. I want you to hear me. This is what the redeemed will say. When the storm of this life is over, friend, when day breaks on the first glimpse that you have of glory, this will ring true for you. For eternity. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the Glory that is to be revealed to us. This is the truth of what you hope for. It is not your end. It is not your demise. It will not crush you. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you are more than conquerors. We will get there and we are pressing on to that. If you could um, pass this side, you guys, whatever's the easiest way. Or if you just wanted to leave them in your seats, I'll come get them. Actually, no, don't do that because some of y'all may be concerned that I would know who it is. Um, so if I could get a couple of guys um, that would just take these up, um, if you would, I would greatly appreciate it. Um, And I want to just close this out in prayer as we consider these. Um, the, just let me say first how much I appreciate all of you. Um, and it is my prayer um, that I make 
big the God we serve in the preaching that I preach to you. Um, I think that our hope is greater than uh, something that would lead us to think that we had to forget or we had to look over or we had to pass by. I, I, I genuinely and truly believe that the work that God has done, is doing in the gospel is one that you will reflect on the lives that you've lived, the struggles that you have gone through, and that, and that in eternity you will praise the Lamb who was slain, who you were able to share in His sufferings. And you will give glory to Him because He will see you through to the end. Your, sink, your ship will not run aground. Your captain is leading you to glory. And he knows the way. Though the storms will come. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the hope that we have in the gospel. I pray that as I prepare uh, each week to present the next uh, step through this book, that you would just lead me, that I would speak uh, the truth of, of your word. Um, Lord, I pray that next week as, as your church here has had a week to reflect on this sermon uh, and to reflect on the areas of their life in which they find themselves now and, and quite possibly presently uh, in storms and in trials and suffering. Uh, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in them, that they would look up. Lord, that their eyes would not be fixed in the storm, but that they would be looking forward to You, that Your Holy Spirit would, uh, through the preaching of Your Word, uh, that You would encourage them through this message, that, that, this, that this truth would be a real truth to them, that, that we would, at Mount Carmel, uh, that we would know and, and, and preach and teach a gospel that does not have holes, it does not have places where we say, well, it doesn't cover that. But that we can take on the trials and the troubles and the heartache of this life. And, and that we can know with a, with, a, with a real and genuine truth that you are bigger. That our hope in you is so much greater. Um, it is It is my heart and my desire that I would... Uh, present truthfully that gospel to your people, that they would be strengthened by it. Or that your Holy Spirit would even now be working in their hearts as they go out into this week, that, that you would open their eyes and awaken their hearts to the work that you are doing in them. I thank you for them. I thank you that you've uh, granted me an opportunity uh, to be able to share your word with them. I pray that I never take it for granted, and I pray that I always um, give it everything that I have. You are so worth it. You are so worth it. For Christ's glory.